All right, let's um, let's get into our word. Did you enjoy worship? Come on, Hallelujah. All right, um, this is the last message of this series. Uh, we've been in this series, the, the the church, soul battles, and deliverance. The church, soul battles, and deliverance. The church is those who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because you have been born again does not make you a part of the church. Because you have said, Jesus, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that does not make you a part of the church. The church is those who are salt. The church is those who are light. The church is those who decided I'm going to grow up in the kingdom and I'm going to be an ambassador for my father. All right, it's the family of God. In actuality, in the kingdom, what the church was, was the called out ones. It is the ones who went before the king and got the legislation and left the kingdom to spread the legislation to other lands. But you had to know the legislation and then you had to be approved of by the king. So that's what the church is. And so we're trying to become the church. When we talk about the church, we're talking about impact. We're not the church if we're not impacting. Say impact. If you're not impacted, if your life is not a light, then you're not impacting. If the father decided that he wanted to put a son or a daughter, if he wanted to put a sinner or a saint, or if he wanted to put somebody next to you, they should be able to grow by watching your life. If they can't grow watching your life, then you're not part of the church. Which leads us to the next one, which is soul battles. Soul battles happen because of two things, ignorance and disobedience. The Bible says that we wrestle with the people, wrestle with the scriptures to their own destruction. What he said is what he said. We can't change what he said. We just obey what he said. He said, if you love me, come on. He said, if you love me, what? If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That's how I know. That you love me. How do we know he love us? Because he, get, he sent his son. Because he gave us salvation. Because he gave us his kingdom. Because he predestined us and he purposed us. We know he loved us because what? We first. We, well, we love him. Yeah, you messed me up, Shanika. <laughs> no, I, we love him because he first loved us. So it's a love cycle. We love the Father, we love ourselves, then we love others. Then the, the last part of it is deliverance. Deliverance deals with three things. Deliverance means you have been rescued, you have been brought to safety, and you are being preserved. Amen? So you have been born again, rescued from the world, pulled out of Egypt, You have been born again, then you have been brought into his household. Now it's time to eat from his household. Amen? Okay, let's do it again. You have been adopted. All right? You have been brought into his household to remove the orphan. Now, as an orphan, you got to hear your father. Now, the foundation of the Bible is what? The only reason why all of this exists is because God wanted to be what? A father. All of this exists. There's no need for Christianity. There's no need for Jesus. There's no need to come to church. There's no need to pray. There's no need to fast. There's no need to do any of that if in our minds we're not trying to become his children. All of this is because he wanted children. All of this is because he wanted a family. Amen? And so last week we talked about um, deliverance through the engrafted word. And then a week before that, we talked about deliverance through demolition. And then a week before that, we talked about deli uh, deliverance through DNA. Today we're going to talk about deliverance through preaching. All right? Deliverance through preaching. It is the preach word that delivers us. And I'm not teaching this just so I can keep my job. 
So, the truth, it is the truth of the word that makes us free. Amen? It is the truth of the word that makes us free. The Bible says that the, it is the word that makes us free. We want people to lay hands on us and set us free. But the Bible lets us know that the word sanctifies us. It purifies us. We just need to have and know and understand what? The word. If I know that the scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If I know that, if I understand that, and I can walk in that, and I have a clear vision of what that means, I can be free. Because he so loved the world that he gave his son. And by me just understanding the fact that he gave his son and me understanding the law of harvest, that whatever you give is what you're trying to do what? So, reap. Whatever you sow, you're trying to do what? Reap. So by him giving his children or giving his son, he was saying to us, I want children. Now, by me knowing that, that should set me free. But if I don't know and I just think that he gave his son so I can have a seat in heaven one day when I die, I get complacent and I lose track of what the purpose of this thing is. You're already seated in heavenly places. We're not trying to get seated in heavenly places. We're not auditioning for heaven. We're not auditioning for heaven. Heaven is already our home. The Bible said Paul told the Philippian church that you, that you are citizens of, of the kingdom. You are citizens of heaven right now, not later. In Ephesians, he came to them and told you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we can't live a life as if we're trying to audition to get somewhere because what happens? We miss the word. We miss what he's trying to say to us. Amen? So we're going to talk about deliverance through the preached word. Our first set of scriptures is going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start with verse 17. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Somebody say preach. preach. Not with eloquent of wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved. So Paul said, he comes to the Corinthians church and he, he's speaking to them and he's letting them know, I, God didn't send me here to baptize y'all. He sent me here to preach. And what did he send me here to preach? The cross of Christ. But he said that the words or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, he said it's the power of God. Now look what he said, to those who are being saved. This is the same word we use for deliverance. This is the same word we use for salvation. So the preaching to those who are not saved is foolishness. Talking about the cross is foolishness. And even if you do it in a religious manner, it's foolishness. If, all, if our only conversation is Jesus died on the cross, okay, now what? He died for my sins, okay, now what? So he died on the cross for my sins so that I what, won't sin or I can't sin? Which one is it? Did he die on the cross so now I can't sin, or did he die on the cross so I won't sin? Neither. He died on the cross so that God could have children, and that sin could be absolved because it, it, it died with him. His death on the cross released grace. So that you can grow up in a relationship because when he found you, you were what? A sinner. Paul said it like this. He said, I was the chief of all sinners. He said he was the chief. Come on now. Every tribe had a chief. I was the chief. I was the chief. Come on now. I was the chief of all my crew. I, I, was, the, I was the best at sinning. I was the best. But the death on the cross is to get us into sonship. 
The death on the cross, Jesus is the ransom to, get the, to bring the children back to the Father. Je- I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the ransom to bring the children back to the Father. He's not the ransom so that we can walk on eggshells to make sure that one day we make it to heaven. So all our tears and our problems can go away. No, right now, as sons and daughters of God, the reason why we have problems is because we magnify them above God. Let me go. If you looked at your heavenly father and you looked at the problem, y'all gonna force me to preach. If you looked at your heavenly father and all that he has and all who he is, and then you looked at your problem, what is the problem? (laughs) The problem doesn't exist. But if I magnify this, then what happens is my father gets small. And I now have a heart that does not lean on him. Instead, I started what? Lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I started to acknowledge my life and what I can do, what I can get accomplished. But once I magnify him, everything else becomes small. Verse 19, he says, for it is written. He said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Now, he does this because our intellectual mind can't see the kingdom. It took a spiritual birth for us to see his world. Now, wisdom according to the earth is the books you've read and the the years of life you've had here on earth. That's earthly wisdom. The scripture says that he destroys the wisdom of the wise. Then it said he sets aside. I don't even know how to interpret that. He sets aside the intelligence of the intelligent. He nullifies it. Why? Because our intellectual mind can't discern things of the spirit. It takes for us to be attached to a whole nother world. Our intellectual mind can't live in the kingdom. We need the mind of Christ. This is why we need the mind of Christ. You can only walk in the spirit with the mind of Christ. If you're having problems walking in the spirit, walking in the spirit is because you don't have the mind of Christ. You think like the human you. Sometimes McKinley had to get out of McKinley way. Come on, sometimes McKinley is doing the second guessing. McKinley is doing all the wondering. He already spoke and said what he was going to do. My job now is to do what? Believe. That's where the scripture comes in. Trust in him with all your heart. See, we can, we can, look, spiritual intelligence is more than us quoting the scripture. It's us actually being able to participate with it. When you're intellectual, you have mounds, you have uh, 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 a lot of data. That's how intellect is. It's, it's like you have a bigger hard drive than most other people, most people. But the thing about intellect is it doesn't help you to walk it out. We need spiritual intelligence in the church. Verse 20, he says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolishness. Now, all I'm going uh, to attempt to do today is get you to see through scriptures that we need preaching. Preaching is what saves our soul. It is what builds us. So I'm going to read through scripture, and I just want you to grab a hold to this, and I want you to go back and study it because you need to know and understand. I'm not up here for no reason. He's not telling us to study He's not telling us to gather for no reason. The Bible says that it is the preaching that saves your soul. It rescues you. It rescues you. I know sometimes it gets on your nerves. But it rescues you. It pulls you out of darkness. It brings you to a safe place. So he says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since, verse 21, for since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. 
God, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. I'm going to read that again. For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching. So the world, the world went through the world, through, uh, the world through their wisdom, could never know God. Amen. The world through their own wisdom, no matter how many books they read, they could never know God through their wisdom. So the scripture says that it pleased him that he would save those that believe it through the foolishness of preaching. Which means preaching releases the wisdom of God. You don't get the wisdom of God just on your own. You get the wisdom of God through what? The foolishness. <laughs> the foolishness of preaching. Somebody attacking your mind, teaching builds your mind. Preaching tears it down. Teaching builds your mind up. But preaching tears it down. If I'm teaching you about love, I can teach you what agape is. I can teach you what eros is. I can teach you what phileo is. But when I'm preaching it to you, I'm showing you where to direct the love and where you're not putting the love. I'm showing you how love looks. So he used the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. So what does that mean? That preaching can't save people who don't believe. Now, we talk about faith and belief all the time. Faith means, I, yeah, I know God exists. I know Jesus died on the cross. That's faith. I know there's a spirit world. Belief means I rely on that. I depend on that. In my lowest moments, this is what I seek. This is what I ask. Verse 22, he says, for the Jews ask for a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. So he said the Jews ask for a sign. They want to see a miracle. They want to see a water turn to wine. They want to see the eyes of the blind open. They want to see healing. They want to see all these other things. He said, but he said the Greeks, they seek wisdom. They're looking for intellect. They're fact checkers. They invest their time in understanding what the world knows. He said, but we're not worried about signs and we're not worried about the wisdom of it. We're just going to preach Christ crucified. We're going to preach Christ crucified. And he didn't say we were going to preach Jesus crucified. He said Christ crucified because Christ is the spiritual life of Jesus. Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God. His flesh died on the cross. Amen. His flesh died on the cross. God didn't die on the cross. Right? Because God can't die. And that's what the church don't understand. Jesus died on the cross. God didn't die on the cross. God can't die. So when he's in his conversation, he's talking about we preach Christ crucified. The church hasn't been preaching Christ crucified. They've been preaching Jesus crucified. Because when we preach Christ crucified, we're speaking of his spiritual life. Jesus died on the cross so that we can have Christ. So why, why would we preach Jesus when we should be preaching Christ? That's why he said when we, when we preach Christ, he said it's a stumbling block to the Jews. And it's foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. Why is that? Because when we were born again, we became one with Christ. And I know I keep saying this, but, it, but it, we have to familiarize ourselves with it. So when you go through circumstances, when you go through situations, this becomes your mindset. Not that I'm someone that's saved by what Jesus did on the cross, but that, I'm, I'm, that what Jesus did on the cross brought me into the family, and as he is, so am I. 
verse 25 says, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human wisdom, human strength. So God's foolishness is giving. It's foolish to give and expect. When I can just get, I can just get my money and I can save it. That's foolishness to the world. For me to get money and give it in order to get money. That's foolishness to the world. Tongues is foolishness. For me to walk around for hours. That's foolishness. You look like an idiot. You look like a clown. Why are you doing that? It's foolishness. But what is it doing? It's building up my spirit, man. What is it doing? It's pulling my destiny towards me. But to them, it's foolishness. That's why I said that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. So you can go and do that. You can, so the human wisdom says, I'm going to go and get it myself. His wisdom says, find out how he said get it and do it. Because when you're going through things, why is that prayer seems like it's stupid? Why is it that prayer seems like a waste of time when we're going through something? And my teacher, it seems like a waste of time. Prayer seems like a waste of time when we're going through something. You walk around, and it's Satan eating your mind up. What that's going to do? <laughs> what is that going to do? So he spoke and he said, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. You can do it your way or you can find the way that he said do it. Now, it's human wisdom. So when you get to doing it a certain way, humans going to clap. Did I help you? Humans going to clap. When you do things according to how humans do it, humans applaud you. Yeah, that's how you do it. Get that bag. But what about the season where he, where he said, be still and know that I am your God. But that's foolishness, right? Then he said, God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Jesus said, if they hit you on one cheek, give them the other. That takes strength. Okay. But that's God's weakness. That's God's weakness. God's weakness is us being humble. Us loving. Us, when we could walk into conflict and when we could, when we can be aggressive, us be, being meek. That's God's weakness. And to the world, we look weak. But we look strong when we buck up. We look strong when we get to cussing folks out. You gonna let them talk to you like that? What they trying to do? They trying to get you to display human strength. And God's trying to get you to be weak. Because he said if you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. If you humble yourself, I'll give you a greater grace. But what the world trying to do is try to get you to pose as if you're bigger then a situation, instead of just walking away, now watch this. Like Jesus said, even about giving. Don't give him. Don't do it in front of everybody. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. What he said about praying. Don't do it like a hypocrite. Don't get in front of everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus. That's your, that's your reward right there. Everybody clapped and thought you was anointed. <laughs> That's your reward. Heaven released nothing. But, but you got everybody else approval. But the thing about it is next time you do it, they're not going to clap. That was the trick. So we have to preach these things to you. So that's why it's the, it's the, it's the foolishness of preaching because watch this. You, just what I just said, somebody's going to go through that this week. Matter of fact, what I just said, somebody went through it last week. You had a chance to be quiet. 
and, and calm your spirit, and you went the extra mile to let somebody know you messing with the wrong one. And that's not how our Heavenly Father is raising us. Our Father is raising us to represent Him. Okay, let's look at Jesus and His call so we can understand a little bit more about preaching. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It, said, it reads, So He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So Jesus had a custom of going to church. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Verse 17. And he handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He was handed the book of the prophet of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Here we go. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Now, what is upon him? The Spirit of the Lord. Now, if you look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, you'll see the seven spirits. All right, so the Spirit of the Lord is the first one. The Spirit of the Lord is the spirit of revelation. It's the north wind. He said, that is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed him. Not to anoint him. Because he has anointed him, because he's already anointed to do a certain thing, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Now he gives us what he's anointed to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart. How is he healing the broken heart? Through preaching. He has to proclaim the liberty, to proclaim liberty to the captives. What does proclaim mean? To preach. And to recover the sight to the blind. Now, I know we're thinking about physical sight, but that ain't what he's talking about here. He's talking about the sight that you get from being born again. Because once you are born again, you now see the kingdom of God. So he's preaching us into seeing and understanding the kingdom of God. That's why all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but mostly through Matthew, you, keep him, you, you constantly hear him say, the kingdom of God is like this. Come on. He's preaching the kingdom of heaven is like this. He's letting you know so that you can investigate. He's not going to lay hands on you and everything that is in the kingdom and of the kingdom is going to go into you. No. He's going to preach it to you. It's going to stir you up to go study. He's going to preach it to you and it's going to stir you up to seek it out. That's why he said repent. Change your mind because now there's a kingdom. First thing he said in this ministry, repent. Change the way you think because it's a new system. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim or preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of favor. So Jesus said that he was anointed to do what? Preach. Now let's watch it in action. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into the desert place, a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Deliverance comes through what? The preach word. How do we know that? Because the father anointed the son to do that. Paul said we preach Christ crucified. Paul said we preach the cross. Paul said we preach Christ as the power and the wisdom of God. Then it says we preach the gospel. We preach liberty. We preach favor. We preach to recover the sight of the, 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 sight of the blind. We preach the kingdom of God. And we don't just preach. Jesus said, I must do this. 
He said, I must do this. If he must do this, then that means on the other side is something you need to receive. If he must do it, then that means it's, some, it's something that after he gets done preaching that you, have, you should have gathered to change your life. Now, like I told you, I do this because I told you I refuse to have an over-emotional church that every week we get delivered. When the word is coming forth, this is why I tell you, tune into the podcast. I told you in 2003, when I decided I was done with the world, the first thing I did was I cut off everything that was not of the Father. Movies, music, I cut it all off. Why? Because it can't minister to you. (sighs) Because you don't need the world preaching to you and the church. So if you ever want to, y'all got to hear me, please hear me. If you ever want to become and get who the father says you are, you have to, you're going to have to have a season in your life that you cut the world off. No little baby. No duh baby. I'm dead serious. I'm not just saying this to be saying this. Okay, you polluting your soul. And you can't let Satan preach to you and let the church preach to you. You can't be led by the, by, by the word and led by lyrics. Because the thing you don't understand about music, that music is the only thing that gets in you without your permission and changes you. That's how you know your ABCs. I guarantee you can't just say your ABCs without the song. <laughs> Because they know. One guy did this one day. He said, the best part of waking up. They, they don't have an album. They don't, there's no album for that. But you've heard it so much that you can finish it. And because the words are there, that means you have an option for your soul to respond to it. Long as there's another option there. That's why this world, that's why, look, what these folks are out here doing with the homosexuality agenda, that is a price to pay. That is a price to pay because they're putting it in children's minds that there's another option. The ones that the father predestined to be conformed to the image of of his son, the world is saying there's another option. I know you was born a girl, but you can be a boy. What is the one we seen yesterday? Trans, transable. Where, now watch this. It's called transable. Look at this. Listen to this. The person says, although I'm healthy, I was born to be amputated. I don't feel like I should have. Come on now, y'all don't understand. So they had his arm, he had his arm cut off because he thought he was predestined to have only one arm. This is happening right now. Because when you take the father's plan and you add stuff to it, it's going to always go haywire. A woman poured bleach in her eyes because she thought she should be blind. You can't make this stuff up. Raise your hand, I will send it to you. If you want me, I will send it to you. This stuff is foolishness. But what's happening is there's another option other than what the Father said. And so we got to get people in here to preach it out of them. So Jesus said that he must preach and that he was sent and anointed to do it. Now, why would, why would he have a, such an attitude about must preach? Because they had not heard from God for 400 years. He meet a woman at the well, she got five, she'd had five husbands. And the one she with now, she needs somebody to preach to her. <laughs> Paul said he was sent. Sent means what? Apostolic. Same word for apostolic. So God uses, chooses the foolishness of preaching to pull people out of darkness. 
and, and people shun it. You can go to your family reunion. You can do everything else, but don't preach. You can walk in there with a fifth of Hennessy. Hey, cuz, can I hit that? But if you walk in there talking about some Jesus, why are you always preaching? Why are you always in darkness? Okay. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Last passage of scripture, we're going to close out, do some prayer. He's, Paul says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for what? Their salvation. That they be saved, that they be delivered, that they be healed, that they have great relationships. Amen? Verse 2 says, I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have zeal for God, it's just not according to knowledge. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse 3, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempt to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. And mostly because why? The Bible says, look, since they are ignorant, soul battles. Because they are ignorant of righteousness, because they don't know righteousness, the scripture says that they attempt to establish their own. Verse 4 says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Now, this is, this is preaching material. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. So Old Testament righteousness means that my walk is my righteousness. Me obeying commandments is my righteousness. In the kingdom of God, my righteousness comes from me being born again. Because I am in Christ, I am right in his eyes. Because I am born again and I am born of God and I am his child, I am right in his eyes. Because I'm right in his eyes, nobody can make me wrong. The Bible says I've been born again through a seed that is imperishable, which means there's nothing I can do to defect it. So my righteousness is, is, is established based on I'm born again. But if you don't know that, you try to create your own righteousness. So you try to make your righteousness how you live and how you walk. And so all you do is brag about what you don't do. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't go to the club. What do you do? <laughs> now tell us what do you do? I pray. I fast. I read the word. I love. I'm humble. But them the hardest ones to say you do. <laughs> Nobody brags about I'm, I'm humble. Unless you're prideful, okay. <laughs> I had somebody call me one day and told me, I'm the, most, I'm the most humble person you know. I was like, really? <laughs> Did you just testify for me? <laughs> Verse 6 says, but the righteousness that comes from faith, y'all got to hear this. The righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart, y'all need to get this, do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven. Let alone out your mouth. Now that's been the whole doctrine of the church, of who going to heaven. But righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart. He didn't say, now, Saying something in your heart is different than something coming out your mouth. He said, don't say it in your heart. This is before you open your mouth. That means don't even think about it. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will go down into the abyss or hell, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So 
He's saying righteousness. Now, this, this, is, this needs to be preached. This needs to be taught. He said, do not talk about who's going to heaven. Why? Because you're already seated there. So when we talk about who's going to heaven, we bring Christ down. Not literally, but we bring him down to our level. We're already seated. Why are we talking about who's going? You're already a citizen. Why are we talking about who's going? So when we, when we talk about who's going to heaven, we're bringing him down. Then he says when we talk about who's going to hell, we bring Christ up from the dead. Because he already went to hell and took the keys. If he already took the keys to hell in a grave, why are we talking about who going? What is he saying? This is not what we should be preaching. This should not be our conversation. He said, don't even say it in your heart. It shouldn't even be on your mind. Am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? That shouldn't be on your mind. You were adopted. Why you got to worry about if you're going home or if he's going to send you back to the orphanage? When the foundation wrong, is wrong. Okay, when it's right, it's right. Why we need to ask if we're going somewhere that we already are? <laughs> if I'm born again and he's my father and I'm a part of his household, he said do good to all, but especially the household of faith. So if, if I'm a part of the household of faith, am I not part of his household already? So why do we need to talk about who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? There's no need for the conversation. But watch this. He says, on the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to make him the head of my life. I'm going to give my life to him. If you confess that with your mouth and you believe in your heart. Now, for you to believe in your heart, that means your mind and your spirit aligns in a walk. If your mind and your spirit does not align for you to walk and carry that thing out, you don't believe. You don't believe. You may have faith. You may know a thing exists. But you don't believe. In order for you to believe, your mind and your spirit have to connect. That's why when you're born again, you get the seed of Christ, and now he tells you to do what? Have the mind of Christ. And that's what it means to be whole, when you have the spirit of Christ and the mind of Christ. That's when the spirit landed on Jesus and said, this is my son who I am well pleased with. This is my weos. This is my fully mature child. His mind and his spirit align with, with one, and he's do, he does nothing but my will. This is the goal. Because we are already in Christ, we come to church to get the mind. Any other mind is detrimental to my spiritual walk. So he says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're not saved. You're not safe until you think like this. And we've been teaching people that saved and born again is the same thing, and it's not. After you're born again, your soul needs to be saved. That's why he says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? He didn't say lose your spirit, but lose your soul. So you should be on the podcast. You should be in the Bible. Why? Because you need the mind of Christ. Can I open your eyes to something? Until you get the mind of Christ, the things that the Father has for you will never come to you. The spirit realm only responds to the character of Christ. The spirit realm only responds to the mind of Christ. Every test you're going through right now is to get you the mind of Christ. If you, if you flunking it, it's going to come again. If you passed it, it's going to come again at another level. But everything, every word, every interaction that you have in your life right now, every relationship that you have in your life right now, 
Everything that is going on in it is to get you the mind of Christ. The Bible tells a married man that if I stay mad at my wife, my prayers go unanswered. So, <laughs> what do I do with that? <laughs> Kena? <laughs> Happy birthday, Kena. <laughs> so, when she make me mad, is it a test for me? Or is she out the will of God? Said both. <laughs> it don't matter. Okay, the thing about it is, once the situation happens, now it is up to me as a husband to make sure my mind aligns with the will of God instead of with what she's doing. I just helped every husband in America. Or the Bible says that your prayers, the Bible says that your prayer, they'll hit the ceiling. They'll just bounce off the ceiling, come right back to you. Now, if that happens with a husband to a wife, it happens with a wife to a husband. That's spiritual intelligence. Amen? You know how many men are upset, mad, ticked off at their at they spouse, how many women are upset, ticked off, and mad at their husband and praying and don't even know. And he ain't even leave. He got earplugs in. It's spiritual intelligence. It's the things that we don't know that constantly hurt us. We're praying for a thing, and he puts us in a situation. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep teaching. Let me go. Let me, keep, let me finish. Verse 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I got 10 minutes. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart. What does that look like? The mind and the spirit aligning. Resulting in righteousness. And one confesses with his mouth, resulting in salvation. That's why Pastor Pierre was telling y'all, you better prophesy over yourself. Salvation ain't going to just come to you. You better speak it. I am healed. I am free. I am rich. The Bible says, oh, the weak say I'm strong. What are you doing? You're announcing salvation. If you don't confess this stuff to yourself, you'll never walk in it. Because Satan is beating up your brain telling you you everything but that. So if you don't confess it with your mouth daily, that's why I told you we just came off of 40 days of discipline. In March, we're going right back on it. All right? We're going right back on 40 days of discipline. But this time around, I want you to find out who you are, write it down. Find out everything that he said that you're supposed to be doing. Get your family, your friends, whatever the things that you want to see. And for 40 days, we're going to prophesy that every day to ourselves, to our atmosphere. Who are your children? Are they powerful? Are they wonderful? We're going to prophesy over your marriage instead of arguing all the time. How often do husband and wife just walk around prophesying, my husband is great, my wife is great. My kids are obedient. It don't have to happen at the very moment, but we have to speak it into the atmosphere because if we don't confess salvation, it'll never come. It'll never come. Healing is a faith thing. If you don't believe it, you'll get, I'm sick. <laughs> I don't feel good. And what you do? You go to sleep and you wait for the sickness to subside. With the power of Christ in you, you sleep. With the Holy Spirit resting on you, you're just going to go to sleep. You're going to go to Dollar Store and get you some NyQuil. No, I'm just, I'm helping you. I'm not looking, I'm, I'm not shaming you. If, you. if that's where you are right now, ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's another way. And you don't understand how you confessing over sickness now helps the next time it try to attack your body. Thanks for that clap. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes on him would not be put to shame. 
since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, rescued, delivered. Now, when we're talking about calling on the name of the Lord, I got to help us because we've been religious for a long time. We think that just means say, Jesus! That ain't what that means. Okay? We're used to that because in America, names often fit title of people. So what's my name? McKinley. But that ain't how it is in Hebrew. Neither is how it is in heaven. So when you're talking about the name of the Lord, you're talking about everything that, as that associates with that name. Power, healing, deliverance, glory, dignity, majesty, royalty, grace. You're not just calling on, you're not just saying Jesus, you have a, you want the whole gambit of it. So when we call on the name of the Lord, it ain't just us saying Jesus. It's us constantly approaching the throne of grace with boldness and confidence. It's us seeking to be light, seeking to be salt, seeking to be the church. Because I don't want you, Jesus, look, that ain't going to do nothing for you. Just saying Jesus. Now, we passed that, okay? We're not talking about, you know, you, you outside of Christ and you need to get into Christ. We in Christ now. As he is, so are you. You are joint heir with him. You're heirs of God and joint heirs with him. It's bigger than you just call, saying Jesus' name, and that's what the church thinks. All I got to do is say, Jesus must know Jesus saved you through the cross. Now you get saved through preaching. Jesus saved you through the cross. Now that you're on the other side of the cross, salvation comes through preaching and confessing. You got to put the work in. Amen? I don't, I don't. Because that's why you always have people come to the altar. And, they just, and there's nothing wrong with emotions. But the church should not be getting delivered every week. You should not be getting delivered every week. Especially if you have a daily prayer life. How you got a daily prayer life, you fast. Now, watch. This kind comes out by what? Praying fasting. Let's say it again. This kind comes out by what? Okay, well, I'm going to say it one time, just being, you know. This kind comes out by what? So, does this kind come? Now, when he spoke that to them, he was telling them to cast a demon out of another person. Amen? Now, if I can pray and fast and lay hands on a person and a demon come out of them, what does the prayer and fasting do for me? <laughs> what does it do for me? If, if this kind comes out by prayer and fasting, if it's a kind in you, <laughs> any kindness in you, all you can pray and fast. Don't come to this altar talking about, no, okay. Come to the altar if you need help, okay? I don't want to be like that. I'm being militant right now because I have to drive this home to y'all. If this kind comes out by prayer and fasting, then if you feel like there's anything in you, pray and fast. <laughs> so this kind can come out. If you have a consistent life of prayer and fasting, nothing can come in. If you have a consistent life of practicing righteousness, if you pray, if you fast, if you put the word in you, if you fellowship, what can get in you besides God? We setting y'all up for success. All right, let's close. Not yet. Now, hold on. Give me one second. But I like that. Verse 14. How then can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? 
How can you hear without a preacher? So, am I correct with saying you can't hear without a preacher? Am I wrong for saying that? I just need to know if I'm wrong for saying that you can't hear without a preacher. You can't hear without a preacher. My job is safe. <laughs> Don't y'all try to become preachers. All right? You can't hear without a preacher. And how can they preach unless they are sent? So a preacher has to introduce you to the word to get you on the path of righteousness. This is why he says, obey those that have the rule over you. Like I told you, it don't have nothing to do with nothing but your spiritual education. Apostle said, listen to the podcast. Now, how is that going to harm you? <laughs> how can it help you? You see what I'm saying? My wife said something to me the other day. She said, it's, it's, she said, it's something about you that when you say something, it makes people say, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's just something about. Come on now, y'all. It's just something about the call. It's the call. It's the call plus the Adam and you. It's the call plus the Adam in you. You ain't nobody tell me what do I do. I'm grown. I, I hear you. I be sitting up here and hear you. I be like, God, dog, for real? But the Bible said that. <laughs> so let's go. He said, how can they call on him that they have not believed in? So preaching helps you to believe in him. Amen. And how can they believe without hearing about him? Preaching helps you to do what? Hear about him. And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can mm, they preach unless they are sent apostolic mission? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And this is why I tell you, look, I don't have a problem with y'all listening to no other preachers. That's not the type of preacher I am. But understand this. You can listen to T.D. Jakes, but you, you got to understand this. You didn't grow up under T.D. Jakes. So you listen to messages that he's preaching now, but he's been preaching for 30 years. His ministry been standing for so long, and you wasn't there when it started. So he didn't develop you. So it's nothing wrong with you listening to other preachers, but understand you got to listen to the one that's sent to you. You need to listen to the one that's sent to you. You can listen to all the other ones, but when the one that's sent to you talking, that's null and void. I can care less what they say. I don't care how long they've been doing it. Once I speak, I can care. I don't care. I'm the only apostle on this planet to me. Ain't no other apostles on this planet. Just me. That's how I feel. When I'm preaching to y'all, that's how y'all need to think. Listen to other people. I don't have no problem with that. But understand, they're not sent to you. You didn't grow up under them. They're not praying for you. They're not fasting for you. They're not giving you no platform when you need help that you can't call them. All right. We good? Verse 16 says, but not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Who has believed our preaching? Who has believed our teaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing comes through the word of Christ deliverance comes through preaching you're delivered through preaching you're delivered by preaching you're delivered through the preach word not through what you read not through your study habits faith comes by hearing hearing somebody talk and constantly hearing. And I have heard <laughs> this is a consistent thing. You ain't graduating from college because you heard what the professor said one time. You in class, you doing the homework, so at graduation they don't have a problem walking you across the stage. Faith comes by hearing, and not just by hearing, by obeying. 
What did he say in verse 16? But not all obeyed the gospel. We preach the good news, but you got to obey it now. Because it come, faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. So whatever's preached to you controls your belief system. Let us stand. Remember, deliverance means what? To be rescued. Amen? Deliverance means to be rescued. It means to be brought to safety, then preserved.